0: june 15 2020 how is everybody doing welcome back to conspiracy fears and mysteries and i'm your host again ralphie coming at you with another conspiracy fear mystery actually it's another true crime and i've got the i got my window open and my light on for some reason i got daylight coming in from the window and i got my window open i gotta turn this light off. Oh, give me one second Wasting my hard-earned money on energy for no reason. I, just had to, I, had to, I had to turn the light off. I got my coffee. I got my morning coffee over here. And it's at room temperature right now. So hopefully you got your coffee or whatever. If you're driving home, then you probably, I don't know. Maybe you stopped at Starbucks. I don't do the Starbucks thing. I did it maybe twice in my life. And I probably, I'm still regretting it. But anyway. Again, man, just to let you know, and I probably should have said this in the beginning. Very disorganized of me. I'm sorry about that. But due to the graphic nature of the content of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. So, if you've got kids in the car and listen to this podcast, that's on you. Okay, don't blame me. Don't put the blame on me. Whatever you make your own decisions. You're a grown person, hopefully, and you make your own decisions. You're a human being. If you're old enough to look for a podcast and listen to it. And read the description of it or whatever and be like, oh, okay, I want to listen to this. Then you're growing up to make that decision to say, okay, I'm gonna listen to this. Alright. So I don't want to hear anything. Anyway, today, um, we're gonna talk about and we're gonna talk about a babysitter murder and um oh man, the babysitter with the man upstairs, things like that. And if you guys have ever ever uh, watched a movie from back in the day called When a Stranger Calls? They they did two makes of it. There was two, I think there was two of them. I think there was one like in the, I think there was one in the eighties, and I think there was one in the like early two thousands. I'm if I'm not mistaken, and I really I really can't remember which one I did I saw and I did see it once or twice. Um, but the story makes a reference to it since it since I believe the case we're gonna talk about today which is still a cold case unsolved is um is probably the 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 basis of that movie where they got that movie from or the idea of making that movie you know what I'm saying so anyway enough rambling because you don't want to hear me rambling so and, and in case you don't know what the babysitter is let me explain it to you so the the babysitter and the man upstairs is like it's an it's an urban legend it's an urban legend that is Dating back to the nineteen sixties, that's when this incident had. It was around that time that this uh, that this case happened. Um, you know where it's uh, it's late at night, and this is back when they had like I don't know. They still do it. I've never had it, but the teenage girl is babysitting a couple of kids, or or, or one kid, or whatever. And you know the children are asleep, and then she gets a phone call. The phone s- starts ringing. Um, in the other end of the of the phone. Uh, there's a whisper and somebody asks, have you checked on the kids? Have you checked on the kids? No, it's not me. I don't do that, but I'm saying, have you checked on the kids? You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what it, that's what it says on the other end. So the babysitter, you know, disregards it just like in the movie, if you've seen it, but the babysitter disregards the phone call. They call back again. They ask again, have you checked on the children? And the caller just keeps on calling and calling until finally, the babysitter's like, okay, I'm a little bit creeped out. Um, and she calls the police and says, hey, look, man, I'm getting a call from this person over and over asking me if I'm checking on the kids and whatnot. So the police do like a trace of the call to find out where the call is coming from. They call her back and they say, ma'am, the call is coming from inside the house. Now, me even saying that gives me chills. Me even saying that gives me chills. Now Jodie Foster, uh, worked in a movie. I believe she was in that movie. Um, I I think it was. I think it was her in that movie in uh, one of the movies. Uh, called. Well, there's all different movies. There's 1971. There was one called. Um uh black christmas i believe or no black christmas was, was nineteen seventy four but anyway it was in the seventies all these were in the seventies uh there was when a stranger calls uh from nineteen seventy nine and it was remade again in two thousand and six um and there's there's also one of stranger calls back which is like a part two to part to the original one that was made in ninety three uh so these are striving from a real case, and I did not know that until I started reading about this case and kind of researching it and stuff. And since this is a cold case, you know, there's certain cases where you don't find a lot of stuff on it. Like, I researched two different places, right? I should have done more, but I researched two. It was uh, the original place where I got the case, the idea for the case, or where I saw it. And I was in the Murder Minute app. And if you don't have that app downloaded, you'll see where I get a lot of cases from and where I read from a lot. Um, the Murder Minute app. You can, there's a subscription base to it. Uh, if you're really into true crime or you could just use the, you could just use it for free, but you get like one case a day and things like that. There's other perks when you, uh, when you subscribe. I am not sponsored by them, but I got it from the Murder Minute app. I read the story first because I, I like to read it first before I do an episode on it. And then I went ahead and I tried to look for more, um, you know, things on it. But it's it's a cold case and everybody has the same information. Matter of fact, I saw from the writer of this one, Ashley DeLeon on, uh, on Murder Minute. I went to another one and it, and it almost had word for word the same thing she wrote. So I was like... Okay, I guess there's not too much on this, you know what I mean? Because it is, you know, uh, a cold case. But anyway, let's talk about the person. So Janet Chrisman, she was born on March uh, 21st, 1936. And she was the oldest of three girls to Charles and and, uh, Lula Chrisman. And Rita was 18 months younger than Janet. And Cheryl was a newborn baby. So, the family had recently moved from Boonville, Missouri to Columbia, which is smaller, and it's, like a, it's not like it is a college town. Uh, Columbia is home to the University of Missouri and the proud home of the Mizu Tigers. Mizu, I don't follow football like that, so, you know what I mean? So, uh, the, the Christmans owned and operated a, a, a local restaurant, which is Ernie's Cafe and Steakhouse. And I believe that's still up because I saw a picture uh, when I was researching uh, that th- there was like a modern picture. I-, I don't think it's called the same thing anymore, obviously, but um, it's it's still up. And they lived in the upper level of the of, of the building where the restaurant was located. So their business was on the first floor and they lived upstairs, which is good. I mean, you know, that's a good thing. It's a family business. It's, it's good to live right there. This way, you you know, your your business is always looked after by yourself. Uh, and so, it was a family of five. Um, they made a comfortable living, and they were well respected in that small community. And in 1950, Janet was 13 years old and an eighth grader at Jefferson Junior High School. Uh, now, according to this, Janet was very intelligent and independent, and she had a strong work ethic, which she obviously learned from her from her her parents and. You know, a lot of times when kids, um, when they grow up with parents that are entrepreneurs or have their own business, they they tend to have a good work ethic. And it's not all the time, okay? You got some kids that just come out like crazy, but you know, most of the time, especially if 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 the parents involve the children in the in the you know in the business or they they teach them just because they they involve them in the work or whatever. Then they tend to have a work ethic. Not necessarily that they're going to have the same business or they're going to take over, but you know, they they normally have a good work ethic. So anyway, she, uh, Janet, also played the piano, and she went to church every Sunday with her family. And um, her her responsibility was well known in, in the town, and she was highly sought after. She was a highly sought after babysitter, so people always. Always try to contact her for, you know, babysitting jobs just because of, I guess, you know, well-respected family, good work ethic, yada, yada, etc. Right. So Janet was obviously very mature for her age, but she was also one of these girls that were physically more uh, developed. You know, her body was already more more developed at that young age. Um And how do I say 10, you know, that, that, that's something, uh, back in those, like, I think as the years went by, uh, children due to the fact of what we have in our food and everything, that's, that's the way I think I'm not a doctor or anything, whatever, but they, you know, all the hormones and stuff, they get more, you know, developed. Like my daughter is, uh, you know, is 16 this year but she's she's had like her mother's physique since she was like already like 13 14 you know what i mean she has a baby face if you look at her face that you can tell that's clearly a a baby you know she's clearly a young woman or a a child still i mean that's you know i'm not gonna call a woman yet she might get mad but um but she's you know her physique if if you if you look at it, you're like okay that's a grown woman you know what i mean and I hate that <laughs> as, a, as a dad, you know I me, mean? but it is what it is. That's nature. That's just anyway. Um, so anyway, so Janet was physically more developed than other girls, and she was looking so she looked much older and she garnered much more unwanted attention from older men, hence why I said I hate that. So Janet would get, you know, uh, uh the cat calls from, from men, especially in the in you know. In those days, in the fifties, and the seventies, in the sixties, it wasn't really like, like now. You know, catcalling is almost like punishable by death. But back in those days, it was like whatever, you know. But she just kind of shrugged it off. I guess you know, since she was so mature, she was just like, nah, whatever. I'm not paying no mind to these guys. You know, they're, they're whatever. So anyway, on the on the night of Saturday, March eighteenth, nineteen fifty, um. Janet had agreed to babysit one of her regular charges. And uh, when I say charges, one of her regular, like her, I guess her clients for babysitting, you know, uh, uh, charges. Anyway, three-year-old Gregory Romack. So that was one of her, one of the kids that that she babysat. And although it was a Saturday night and her friends tried to convince her to go out to a party, Janet took the babysitting job. And she had one last because she had one last payment on a burgundy suit that she wanted to wear for Easter, and she needed the money, uh, from the from the Romac, from the Romac family, you know. So she took she took the babysitting. She's like, sure, I'll I'll do it. So that the, um that night, winter and spring, there was like <laughs> big winter and spring storm, whatever it is. It was, you know, so it was a lot of wind and sleet, and all that stuff, and, the uh, the temperature dropped to the mid-20s, so it was pretty cold, pretty cold, and I gotta say, just from that description, sounds like it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty, uh, like, like, uh, what do you want to say, it's like, it's, um, cliche horror movie-ish, you know what I mean, the, the wind blowing, and it's, and it's, uh, you know, it's dark out. It's cold. It's just uncomfortable for you not to be scared. It's, it's, it's all the elements for you to be scared are there. You know what I mean? So now let's 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 talk about their 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 client, the Romax. So Ed and Ann Romex were a young couple with one little boy, obviously Gregory, and and I say obviously because I said it already. I'm sorry, but Gregory was one of the one of Janet's favorite charges. And he was a sweet and easygoing boy. And Janet really liked uh, spending time with him. Richard or Ed Romack, Richard Edward Romack, people called him Ed, was from Wausau, Wisconsin. And he moved to St. Louis and then Columbia as a child. And he served in the Army Air Corps during World War II, HUA, I was in the Army, uh, before working as an accountant. So, And then he met Anne his wife, who was originally from Idaho Falls and at um Idaho Falls, Idaho. And she went to the University of, of Missouri and they married on September tenth, nineteen forty six. The couple had uh dotted on their little boys and and were expecting their second child in just a few short months. So the wife was pregnant, you know, the husband they, they were uh pretty nice pretty nice and decent decent family. So the Romex have recently purchased a, a small one-story house just outside the city limits of Colombia. And I have a picture of the house here. And again, every time I see these crimes, every time I do one of these true crime stories or whatever, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Whenever they show a picture of the house, no matter where it is and what it looks like or whatever, it always looks creepy. And that is because... I think just because I know that just because I, I know that somebody got killed there. You know? Um Oh my god. Anyway. So I'm looking at the house, it just looks creepy as hell. It's in the middle of nowhere. I would never do that. I'm a city boy, so just letting you know, FYI, I grew up in Queens, even though I'm from an island, you know, um I'm from Dominican Republic, but I grew up in Queens. So but but anyway, whatever. So, due to the exhausting move into the new house, the couple hadn't been able to spend the night out in a while. So, that night, they asked her to babysit. Some friends invited them over for dinner, and they were like, right, hey, let's go out. You know, we haven't been out in a while. Let's just call the babysitter. You know, typical cliche, uh, I know what you did last summer, slasher. <laughs> uh, you know, behavior. Things that people in slasher movies do. I don't know. I'm sorry, but that's that's... I, I don't mean to poke fun. This, I'm not poking fun at this situation at all. But I'm just saying as far as movie goes. But anyway, upon her arrival, Ed and Anne Romack told Janet that little Gregory was already asleep. And he had a radio playing softly in the background. Now, uh, he wouldn't be any trouble for her. Uh, but, um, you know, so th- they just let her know. Look, he's asleep. There's a radio playing. So he's not going to be any any trouble. But as a precaution, check this out. Ed showed Janet how to load and fire his shotgun. I think that was good. Um I think I mean that, there's a there's a lot of variables to that, and I'm not even gonna get into this into this back and forth with people on, on the comments or on the on the voicemails, you know what I mean, because I'm just not gonna do that right now. But anyway, um So anyway, he left it leaning up against the wall next to the front door. Um, And he said if anyone and he because if anyone were unexpectedly to come by. He instructed Janet to turn on the front porch light before answering the door, which I mean, I mean, it sounds like he was really, uh, you know, like he was he was uh, he was very conscious about about security and he you know he cared for her well-being i mean i I can imagine his 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 son is in there you know what i mean so ed Ed and ann left and they went to enjoy their night out alone and Janet was left alone with a sleeping child and a quiet house so throughout the night the weather got worse um most folks around there just opted to stay home and very few people dared to go out i wouldn't go out i'd be one of those folks that stay home So, anyway, the wind was howling and the trees were swaying. You know, um, winter was making its last push before spring. So, Mother Nature was like, hey, this is winter. I'm showing you what it is. And, uh, but that night, of course, because I'm doing this podcast, the weather was not the only thing that was terrifying. There was a human presence that was... Also going to shatter the innocence of a young girl. And it was going to terrorize the town with a mystery that to this day is still not solved. Not that I know of. Not to the day of this podcast. So the inclement weather meant that everything was quiet at the Boone County Sheriff's Office. Because not everybody was out. Most people were inside. So they weren't getting a lot of phone calls for any accidents or anything like that. Um, But... Just as the deputies were getting settled in for the uh, long and uneventful night. Their coffee and their donuts and stuff. Uh, No disrespect to the police or anything, but I'm just saying. um, At 1035, the deputy at the time, which was Ray McCowan, picked up his ringing desk phone. And I, I I don't know why I had to say ringing death's phone. I, if he picked it up, obviously it was ringing. Anyway, and he was met with screams that would replay in his head for the rest of his life. It was it was a scream of, "Come quick!" A a girl screamed hysterically, "Come quick! Come quick!" Before McCowan could even utter a word. Um, I'm sorry. It was it was screams of "Come quick!" and before McCowan could even utter a word, the phone call was cut short and only he heard was the was the sound of the dial tone. So he was wondering who was the girl and where was she and what was happening, you know, because he didn't get any information. All he heard was the screaming. Come quick and everything, and you know, one thing I say um, when <laughs> when and I I hate to be laughing at this I'm laughing at myself because it's one thing I tell my wife when we watch these true crime shows and we watch or even movies when people call 911 is we I, I always say listen I'm not going to call and say the pro- if something's really going like something's happening at the moment right there I'm not going to be like oh, yes um you know whatever when something's already hit the fan that's because I'm calling 911 you know what I mean and the, when the situation is that that uh That harsh. The first thing coming out of my mouth, okay, is the address. That's the first thing. When the nine one one operator picks up and she goes, and she goes nine one one, I'm like, uh, you know, (laughs) one two three four five whatever lane and blah 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 lane, and she's like, what? At least, and if I have to hang up, at least it'll be a weird call that she's like well the guy gave me an address you know what i mean it was a weird call he gave, even i don't care if they come over here to tell me to to put me to investigate if it's a prank call to put me in jail come over here the first thing i'm screaming is an address first thing i'm screaming i'm like don't 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 tell them what's wrong just scream an address cuz they're going to figure out what's wrong by the fact that you're screaming your brains out you're screaming, you're you're hysterical, just scream an address, okay? So, uh, guys, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on a lot in between, and I should be telling the story, but there's a lot to this. It's a cold case, and there's just a lot of things that hit home because it can happen to anybody. All these cases can happen to anybody, but, you know, this one particularly, you know, I have a daughter, a lot of people are, you know, kids. It doesn't have to be a female, but um. anyway. So, the deputy... He didn't believe this to be a prank just because of the way it sounded. He heard the terror in the girl's voice. He seemed, you know, he deemed it real. This is real, okay. But there was nothing he could do because it was late. Um, the main t- back in those days, they had switchboards and the mainstream switchboard at the telephone company was closed, um, so the calls couldn't be traced. So unnerved, all all he could do was just wait and hope that the girl called back. But she never called back. So not long after, Ann Romac called home to check in, but she received a a busy signal. That it was busy, and assumed that Janet was either on the on the line or had she had taken the phone off the hook and was sleeping, which I don't I don't don't take the phone. off. Well, I mean, it's, it's 2020, okay? It's 2020, so you you're not taking the no phone off the hook. But I would say, like you know, my wife tells me because I work at night when I and when I'm home in the morning. I wake up real easy and I lose a lot of sleep. That's the thing we're trying to fight right now. I have trouble sleeping anyway. I take pills for that, but um I get woken up by because obviously I'm at home in the morning, so everybody's calling me. Right? All the all the numbers, all the all the businesses are open when I'm sleeping. When I'm working, everything's closed. So nobody calls me at night. Uh anyway. So around one thirty five AM, the Romax pulled into their driveway. And they had an enjoyable night at the Moon Valley Villa, that's where they were, which was a restaurant in Colombia, where a lot of people visited and went so um they were over there with a whole bunch of couple or well, several couples that had gathered for dinner, some friends they they drank and they and and they played cards and it was it was a good night that you know they were just having fun with their friends. But when they got home, their night uh, turned into one of horror and terror. And uh, it's it's a night the family would never forget. So the Romax noticed that the front porch light was on and the front window drapes were still wide open. And as Ed went to unlock the front door, he realized that it was already unlocked. And he eased. Opened the door and came upon a horrifying sight. It was Janet Chrisman. Just three days shy of her 14th birthday, 13-year-old girl. Was sprawled on the living room floor. And it looked like she had been, well, she had been beaten. Raped and strangled to to death. Uh, Nobody can tell about rape just by looking, but you can imagine that. Um, that's the first thing that goes through your mind when you see, uh, you know, especially a female on the floor. And, you know, and especially if she's maybe missing some part of her clothing, like her underwear or something. And you can imagine there was some kind of rape. So Janet was lying in a pool of her own blood that has soaked completely through the carpet. And they had shaggy carpet. She had been violently raped. And Janet had wounds on both sides of her head. Specifically, puncture marks that seemed to have been made by like a small metal instrument. So, And her face had been scratched, possibly by fingernails. A cord from an electric iron was found wrapped around her neck. And her cause of death was ruled asphyxiation. So they choked her. Next to her was a phone dangling off the hook. And Anne immediately rushed to Gregory's room, obviously, to see that their son was there but the little boy was unharmed and he was still sleeping the only sound in the house was that of a small radio gregory had fallen asleep to now if that's not creep that gives me chills just saying it just cuz i'm 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 playing that scenario jeez god forbid man not going wood playing that scenario of somebody walking in and seeing this or whatever and it's just it's 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 crazy now almost Immediately, the investigation had complications. Like as soon as it started, so because and the reason being, while the jurisdiction belonged to the Boone County Sheriff's Department, the Columbia Police Department were the first ones on the scene. That happens. That happens sometimes where you have two departments. just because they're on the border. Um, it happened. Uh, my my son had gotten into a situation, and he said, "Man, they would." the that two departments were there and they were the cops were not arguing but kind of had a miscommunication of who was taken and whatever this and that whatever so but anyway um and and it was crazy because you know uh he had to go to court in another county even though he was in this county but it was on the border and it was whatever so um So, anyway, the Columbia Police Department were the first on the scene and attempted to control the investigation. So, from the start, it was a fight for leadership and conflicting egos, you know. So, each agency had their own separate investigations with little communications, and that is horrible. Communication is the key. They even had conflicting theories as to what may have happened during the incident, especially with regards to the method of entry. And the sheriff's office believed that Janet knew the intruder, and she invited him in. While the while the other police department, while the police department believed that he came in through a broken side window. Um, I mean, I, I you know, it again, it didn't have too many s- specifics, but uh, you know, the the father did say the you know the father of the child she was babysitting said that when he came in he opened, he found the door already unlocked, so it was unlocked, it wasn't like somebody kicked it in or anything, you know what I mean, um, I don't know if it could be that she tried to run out, well, I I don't know, I, I don't think she would, you know what I'm saying, there was a kid in there, but anyway, so, um, instead of working together, Obviously, the two agencies were uncooperative, and dis- and they disagreed on about everything. So while they were battling for authority, the town of Columbia was in a state of terror. Now, officers were patrolling the streets 24 hours a day. You can imagine after this. Stakeouts and neighborhood uh, canvassing was conducted daily, and there were citizens that were temporarily deputized. They were just making deputies out of everybody in order to help find a murderer. God knows if they made the murderer a deputy just for trying to find the murder. You know what I mean? And then anyone that had a previous record was holding for questioning. So anyone... That's what they do. You know, you got a record, you're going to come in. I mean, it is what it is, man. You got a record, you probably the first one that they're going to look at. That just is what it is. Now, tips poured in and a lot of citizens reported anything and everything. And that's what usually happens with these cases. And you'll hear it a lot when cases happen and the, the police put out bolos and the police put out press conferences and things like that where they say, hey, uh, you know, we want, you know, can you let us know what's going on, yada, yada. If, if anybody has a tip, everybody wants to help. So everybody's going to call in. Everybody's going to, you know, have something to say. But this wasn't the first time that the, that terror had struck the small town. This had happened in the small town. Because several years before Janet's murder, the town experienced a rash of prowling and peeping Tom incidents and several sexual assaults and rapes and even one other murder. On February 5th, 1946, a 20-year-old Mary Lou Jenkins was found brutally murdered in her home. Now, Mary Lou was home alone while her father was out of town on business and her mother was spending the evening tending to her elderly neighbors. And since her mother was just down the street, they decided on a plan in case of an emergency. Mary Lou would turn on the light lift the shades in the front window and call her mother at some point that night Mary Lou's mother noticed a light on and the shades pulled up but then she didn't receive a phone call she figured everything was fine so two of the three things that they put together as an emergency happened I think that's 75% of the way or most of the way I don't know what the number is I think I would have checked but I'm not I'm not poking fun at the mom or anything. You know, their, I don't know what the situation was, but I'm just saying, me. If 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 I told my kid, look, put the window shade up, turn on the light, and call me if something happens, and I'm across the street and I see the window shade up and the light on, that's enough for me. That's enough for me to go home. And if nothing's wrong, I'll be like, hey, man, look, I'm gonna tell my I'm gonna tell my daughter, hey, look, man, um, you know, you had me nervous. You know, try not to do that because you know that's our emergency protocol. Or whatever, you know, you made me think something happened. But, you know, you never know how people were thinking at the time, so whatever. So, when she returned home the next morning, she found her daughter dead on the living room floor. And Mary Lou had been raped and strangled with an extension cord. N- not long after, a man confessed to murdering Mary Lou in addition to his own wife. He murdered Wow. On October 1949, just a few days before Halloween, a 16-year-old babysitter was raped by a masked man. Just a month later, on November 29th, an 18-year-old Sally Johnson was attacked and sexually assaulted in her own home. This occurred just a block away from the October incident on November 30th. The very next day, a University in Missouri student was raped by a masked man. So this is this is a a, a serial thing. It's happening. It's happening a lot. Most likely the same person, because this is pretty much the same. And Mo, especially as far as the murders uh, with the, you know, you had the strangulation part, but there was a guy that confessed, so I don't know. The victim had been parked with her boyfriend at Lover's Lane. The attacker approached their car and brandishing a gun, forced the couple to exit the vehicle. After walking them a short distance away, the attacker robbed and bound the boyfriend and raped the woman. Just a few days later, a man confessed to the attacks and on the babysitter and Sally Johnson. And he also he was also arrested for several prowling and peeping time incidents that had been occurring around the area. And after the arrest, the attacks went down and actually they actually disappeared and the town felt safe again until this incident with Janet Christman. And while authorities had closed those cases, those prior cases, Janet's rape and murder made the citizens of Colombia doubt whether justice had actually been served. And was the killer still out there? Had had he been there the whole time? Eventually, investigators focused their attentions on one man, which was Robert Mueller. Nothing to do with the Mueller report. <laughs> that sorry, that was that was too soon. Anyway, Robert Mueller was a high school friend of Ed Romack, and he was a 27-year-old former Army captain that served in World War II. He was married with several children and managed his father's restaurant, uh, Mueller's Virginia Cafe. Mueller was known for dressing well and always carrying a mechanical pencil in his pocket. I, whatever. Why would you? Anyway. In his pocket of his shirt, I guess. I guess that's a good thing. He always, always to write notes and yeah, probably one of those um OCD people, whatever. Um, and he was also known for being <laughs> inappropriate with women. Uh, so just one day before Janet's murder, Mueller had grabbed Anne Romack's breast and made lewd comments towards her. Listen, bro. Listen, I'm finna get on you right now, Ed Romack. Um, he he you know he grabbed Ann Romax' breast, which was Ed Romax' wife. You grab anybody in my family's anything, and this case is gonna be a lot different. They're gonna be like, "Hey, it was an open and shut case. He came in there. Um, he just beat the hell out of this guy. You know, Rafi just beat the hell out of this guy. I don't know why, and he beat him. He beat him all the way." <laughs> Like my boy says, uh, he's like, I'm going to beat you to the white meat. You, you know, when the skin comes off and and, and the meat's white on the bottom. <laughs> I'm going to beat you to the white meat. Um, I, I don't know, man. I'm telling you. Shh. And and he made lewd comments towards her. You're, not, you're just not going to disrespect me like that, man, and, and just get away with it. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen behind that. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, Mueller seems to have a special affinity for young girls. I don't don't understand these. I don't understand that. I don't understand this. Anyway, in particular, Janet Christman. On more than one occasion, Mueller made comments about Janet's well developed body. The night of Janet's murder, Mueller was also attending the same gathering as the Romax. At some point during the party, Mueller excused himself and he was gone for two hours. Now let's talk about that real quick. Cause I said this case is unsolved. But let's talk about that real quick. For a murder to happen, for you to be a suspect in a murder, you gotta have uh at, at least two things. Murder, uh now obviously murder is the is the outcome, but you gotta have motive. I'm sorry, motive and um and opportunity. At a minimum. Motive and opportunity. So Motive, um, I, I, you know, his motive was just his being, the way that this, t- to me. His motive was just the way he, he was. And the opportunity was there. Opportunity was there for, for him to do. He had the opportunity. He had two hours he was gone. Now, check this out. Why would he go there? Well, there, obviously, the, play this scenario out in your head. You're going out with friends. You leave your kids with a babysitter. One of the things that are going to come up in a conversation, ninety nine, I I I'm almost a hundred and ten percent sure is people are going to ask, "Hey, how's the kids doing?" Oh, they're fine. They're at home with the babysitter. Somebody on the table is going to ask, "Oh, who's the baby Oh, oh, you you had a babysitter? Who's the babysitter? You know who who would babysit in this weather? Jesus, who? Oh, we got this girl. Um, you know, we got the girl. Uh, so and so. You know what I mean? Um. I, I, And this guy who was already, you know, infatuated with Janet, hears this, or he may be the one that's asking, and he says, oh. And throughout the night, you know, throughout the party, the whole time he's thinking, man, this girl's by herself, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, hey, um... I'll be back. I have to go do something real quick. Nobody really pays any mind to the fact that he's gone for two hours because everybody's having fun. There's alcohol involved. People are drinking. You're just happy to be out. You know, it's so many many factors here. And When I read this line that he was gone for two hours, I said, ah, man. Ah, man. But anyway, the, the circumstantial evidence against Mueller was overwhelming and investigators were closing in until May 4th, 1950. Now, officers, officers took Mueller into custody, but instead of following the procedure they, and taking him to the police station, they drove him to a farm outside of Columbia for some reason. <sighs> there, they questioned Mueller all night until the er- early next morning. Now, if anybody knows anything about anything, if even if you, you don't have to be a cop. I was in law enforcement, and I went to the academy and all that stuff, but if you know any little thing just by watching anything you know that there's a certain limit there's only a certain amount of time that you can keep somebody when they're a suspect and you don't have any evidence to keep them you can only keep them for a certain amount of time and that rule also goes for overseas because whenever we had a detainee, we could only keep him for a certain amount of time and then we had to release him unless we had any kind of uh, reason, any evidence or anything to keep him there any longer or to actually detain him uh, for whatever reason permanently or whatever. So, uh, Mueller, um, they, they questioned him all night and early into the next morning and Mueller agreed to take a polygraph test and he passed and officers had to release him from custody. Now the tactics that the officers used in interrogating Mueller were detrimental in securing an arrest warrant. In addition, a grand jury failed to indict Mueller based on the unprofessional conduct of the interrogation and the lack of cooperation between the two law enforcement agencies. So there was a lot of factors here that led, that contributed or contribute to this case being a cold case, as you can clearly hear. Robert Mueller was never charged with Janet's rape and murder. This guy had motive and opportunity. But because uh, these two law enforcement agencies and the one who interrogated him, the sheriff's office, failed to actually do their job, and I think their egos got in the way, this became a cold case. And it upsets me because... It's a child. Whenever it's a child, you know, everybody get, feels a certain way. I don't blame them for feeling a certain way. Janet Christman was buried on uh, March 21st, 1950, on her 14th birthday. Jesus, man. She was wearing the burgundy suit that she had been saving for. That is, That is crazy. She's wearing the burgundy suit that she was saving for. Oh, my God. The suit... The suit that was the reason why she took the Romac babysitting job and, and and she lost her life for it. And for and the crime remains unsolved to this day. We nobody nobody still nobody knows what happened to this girl. Nobody knows. Nobody there's no suspect. There's no suspects in this. There may be suspects, but there's no, nobody has gotten, uh, has gotten, nobody has gotten arrested or anything for this horrible crime. And this, this is, this is really scary uh, because, you know, we all have kids and it doesn't have to happen just, you know, not that it could just happen to a kid. It can happen to an adult too. Um, It could happen to a male. um, You know, it is less likely the rape part. um, I haven't really. I haven't really read too many stories where, like, the male got raped. Just, I don't know, for whatever. But um, most of the stories about murder, when that's do with a female, a lot lot of them have a rape involved in there. It's just, like, it's just, I guess, the nature of the beast. Or part of the, I don't know, however these people think. These murderers or these criminals. Um, You know, so. But it's unfortunate. And. We always think about that is something that, you know, goes through everyone's mind. You know, uh when you leave a child alone, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I changed my shift. I used to be morning shift. I used to work with my wife. We work in the same we work for the same company and um I changed my shift because with this corona thing, my kids had to go to my, you know, we're home school, so they were home, you know, and I have I have a 12-year-old and I have, you know, my 8-year-old. So I, I changed my shift because even though although I have security cameras in the house that we would watch them we would, and both of them have phones, I know they're young, but I got them phones because nowadays you know I mean why not? I can get a phone and I can communicate with them all the time. I don't have a house phone. Everybody here has cell phones. I have Amazon the uh, I have Amazon Show. I got these I got the cameras over the house that you can see through Wi Fi. I can talk. I mean I've got you know I got the Ring doorbell. I've uh, all kinds of stuff. But it's just not never enough. It doesn't matter, you know. It's just still not never enough. And I w- I would be at work and I'd be watching them, and I started to get, I would get nervous. Um, you know, Amazon packages come, and one time one my eight year my kids know better. They don't open the door to anybody. But one you know, there's been one or two times where my son, for some reason, my young one, my little one, for some reason, I don't know what. You know he's he's a child, so I can't really just start. I can't just be like, oh, you know, yelling all the time. He's a child, and children are curious. For some reason, he decided to open the door when the Amazon guy came to leave the package, and that made me. That unnerved me. You know, um, and I changed my shift. I said, yo, you know what? Besides the fact that they were going to school and they needed help with some technical issues that were happening with the computer when they were in school, um i changed my i told my wife look i'm going to night shift you stay on day shift i'll stay with them in the morning and then they they're pretty much only alone for a few minutes and you know when i leave and my wife gets home so they're really they're really never alone and we got the dogs here we got i got a pit bull and a damn a little one and actually the little one's more dangerous but still you know what i mean um my neighbors look out for you but you can't really trust everyone man i'm I'm that type of guy i'm an introvert i don't trust everybody you know what i mean gotta be careful and that's that's things that you know you know you just gotta you just you just gotta do that's life nowadays you know everything going on you just gotta be more careful you know what i'm saying but anyway that's all we got for this episode today man it's going on too long rambling I apologize for that, but this when it comes to children, man, I got a daughter too, man, and it's just something like ah, don't babysit, man. Don't worry about it. Don't babysit. You know what I mean? <laughs> God, God forgive me, man. I hope you know if anybody knows anything, they contact. I don't have any contacts, you know. I I normally I would say contact one eight hundred whatever, but just contact the authorities. Um, from you know from the county, you know, do your research on it. Um, I don't have a contact number. I never, I, I didn't see one when I was looking for the research. Normally, you would see if anyone has any information, but I didn't see it. All right. So, anyway. Without uh, further ado, man, don't forget to like and subscribe. You know, uh, follow me on social media. And as always, man, I will see you guys on the next smoke.